Welcome back to Recently Diagnosed, What to Expect with Health Monitor. Throughout this series, we've taken a look at early-stage HER2-positive breast cancer, the latest findings, treatments, and everyday steps to improve your physical well-being. Today, we are going to cover the essential topic of mental health with Dr. Wendy Lichtenthal. We don't know what you're going to be feeling, and, and I think it is important to be explicit about that because... Everybody enters receiving this kind of information, this kind of a diagnosis with a different lens. Dr. Lichtenthal is a clinical psychologist at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York. Her job is to help people understand the difficult feelings that can come up around a cancer diagnosis. And in this episode, she'll share key insights and coping strategies that will prepare you for the road ahead. We can also further empower you by developing your own personal toolkit and perspectives for, as these feelings come up, learning to be with them, learning to relate with them, learning to cope with them in ways that serve you. We want the world to be predictable and safe. We want, if A happens, B occurs. And often with a cancer diagnosis, we don't have that one-to-one correlation at our disposal. A HER2-positive breast cancer diagnosis can challenge our identity and worldview, kicking up all sorts of emotions along the way. It is natural and expected that when you get news of something that is threatening, that we get scared. For some, it's the unknown of what they're physically going to feel like. For some, it might be a fear of not being able to do certain things. Bursts of joy might be followed by periods of anger, sadness, self-blame, or grief. Something is getting lost. Your sense of a healthy identity changes to your appearance, changes to your level of energy. However you may be feeling, Dr. Lichtenthal says it's valid, and she invites you to have self-compassion to accept the feelings that are coming up for you and not fight them. The more that we attend to feelings in service of trying to push them out, the louder the volume will be dialed up. I don't know if you've ever heard someone say, try not to think about a pink elephant. Don't think of a pink elephant. Don't think of a pink elephant. When you tell yourself not to think of something, what are you thinking of? A pink elephant. The converse is actually the antidote to allow the feelings to be there. And then when we do that, when we give space for feelings, when we say, of course I'm feeling this way, what happens is our minds do what minds do, which is they move on to the next thought, the next feeling. Our feelings and our thoughts are transient. They don't actually stay in one place. They're not static, but we can kind of keep them on a loop if we keep attending to them. There are a host of tools you can implement to cut off that feedback loop and nurture a sense of acceptance. One tool Dr. Lichtenthal reaches for is often the simplest, tuning into the present. We think about these tools as present-focused, focusing on the present, focusing on the here and now. The utility of that is because if we consider that anxiety is all about the future, all about what we don't know, all about being with uncertainty, 
Then again, using this language of antidote, how do we address future-oriented thoughts? We come back to this moment right here, right now, which is what you can control. So you can always move your attention back to the moment. And ways that we can do that are by engaging our five senses. That's one way to bring us into the moment. So anything where you're listening, you're seeing, you're smelling, you're tasting, you're touching, in the moment where we engage our senses, we're in the moment. We're right there. You're in the present. If your mind does start going to all of these things that feel frightening and uncertain, allow it to be. And now work your muscle to come back to this moment right here, right now. Something that I tend to do that is very, very portable is bringing your hands together and just feeling your other hand, bringing your hands together and noticing, okay, the bottom of the palm of my hand feels warm. The tops of my fingertips feel cooler. My skin is soft on the outside of my hand and rougher at my knuckles. My cuticles are jagged. My nails need some filing, whatever it is. But actually, even what I did there, the nails need some filing, that's not ideal because that's an evaluation. And we want to stay away from evaluating. We want to stick to the facts in those moments. We just want to be and observe and notice. The language of noticing can be really useful in this context. You could also focus on your breath, a picture, or listen to guided imagery. Whatever it is, just remember. It takes time to develop this practice. So many people I work with say, oh, I can't do that. My mind just goes and goes and goes. I say to them, of course your mind goes and goes and goes. That's what minds do. We know that. The trick is, let's say you're focusing on your breath. Your mind starts to go. At some point, you notice that you've left that focus on your breath. You simply say, up. I noticed that I left focusing on my breath. Let me bring it back. And then you rinse and repeat. If a hundred times your mind goes elsewhere from the email you need to respond to, to the thing you need to pick up from the store, to the fact that you're not falling asleep and you have to get up early, all the things where minds might go, as soon as you notice that you've left the thing you're focused on, you just simply gently say, oh, I notice I've left. Let me come back to that moment. Let me repeat. And you just are bringing back that return muscle that can serve you when you might need it. Some days, it might feel impossible to stay present. And that's valid. It's okay to be flexible about your coping strategies. Recognizing what works for you, what doesn't, and how each scenario is different. My needs might be different at a given moment. My context might be different. The people around me, the situation, what it calls for, what works might be different. And if you want to have a stance toward coping with your diagnosis, coping with treatment, coping with all that lies ahead, it can be, I'm going to be flexible with how I cope. Figuring out how to talk about your diagnosis and treatment with people around you is another important part of a flexible coping framework. You might find yourself in a conversation where you're just not getting what you need from the other person. Or maybe things are getting tense with a loved one. A lot of time, the people you're closest to in this, you also might have this little dance of protectiveness with, where you don't want to upset them and they don't want to upset you. 
And there might be this conspiracy of not talking about certain things at times. If it feels accessible, Dr. Lichtenthal says you could try ways of communicating that don't trigger the other person. Maybe there's a way to tell someone I'm not feeling good today without pushing them over the edge into a spiral of worry. I can say, I just feel a little tired right now. I I felt this last time too after treatment. It's okay. I know what it is. I'm feeling it. Individuals who have received a diagnosis often wish they didn't have to have that job on top of all the other things that they're doing. And yet it can be helpful to share with people what it is to be in your shoes because they just otherwise might not get it. If that's harder to do, bringing them to your medical team, to your appointments or to meeting with someone like me, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll meet with someone and say, bring in that family member, that friend. I'll be the one to say what they're talking about right now. This happens all the time. Or I just want to prepare you for the kinds of things that often come up so you can be aware that this might come up for this person you care about who's going through treatment using your medical team or educating the person yourself or giving them some readings or having them for people who are in that caregiver or family role find their own networks of support. All of that can be helpful as well. You don't have to be okay with a HER2 positive diagnosis, but it can help to accept what you're feeling, to focus on what serves you in each moment and ground yourself in the present when you're feeling overwhelmed. A flexible approach to coping will help you stay on top of your emotional well-being and allow others to support you. That's all for our series on early-stage HER2-positive breast cancer. The views expressed by our guests are theirs alone. Thanks for listening. Thank you.